1: Praise be to God, you have made it, you've survived it, it's Friday. By the grace of God, we are here. We're going to have an excellent show. Good morning to you, Susan. I see you hanging out with us over there on Facebook side. God love you, God bless you, thank you for doing it. We're so very grateful to uh, the Catholic Drive Time family. Whether you're listening to us on a radio station in Boston, or someplace in New York, Pennsylvania, even in Ohio, or Virginia, Maryland, Alabama, and Florida... Texas, New Mexico, and Kansas—wherever you are, radio or on social streams—we are very grateful for your uh, being a part of our Catholic Drive Time family. So thank you for that. We're going to have a great show today. Have you ever heard of Terry, or rather Joe Scheidler, and uh, the pro-life action that he he basically created this movement in America to uh, to protest abortion? And it took him to the Supreme Court three times. Could you imagine going to the Supreme Court three times to fight for your survival because now was trying to destroy him? Well, to tell that story, to share the story of, of Joe Scheidler and the founding of the St. Thomas More Society, our guest this hour is going to be Tom Brecca. He's the president and chief counsel of the St. Thomas More Society. They've got a film coming out on the 22nd of March that, you know, sort of relives and uh, sort of pays honor to Joe, because he passed away on January 20th, and uh, sort of relives the moment, the founding of the St. Thomas More Society, this David versus Goliath story. So Joe Scheidler is going to be our guest this hour. It's going to be pretty huge. I hope you'll join us for that. Um, plus, we're going to have breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. Uh, we'll have uh, Joe Condit, he's the founder of dot. To be on our program, the What's Concerning Us section. There's a huge, uh, speaking of huge, there's a big men's conference coming up this weekend with Father Mike Schmitz. He's going to tell us all about that. But today is also the day where we get to give somebody a very cool prize because our game show, which happens in our second hour of Catholic drive time, is the Friday. We always pull out a name out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence. And today is that day. So praise be to God for that. Uh, good morning to you, Emily Alcrez. Good morning, Joe. Happy Friday. Praise be to God. We made it. We did. I think I'm going to spend this entire weekend outside. It's going to be so beautiful. Oh, really? Is it going to be that nice? I don't. I thought there was a storm coming. Is no? there? I think so. Oh, I, I hate to be the with bad news. Why would you? <laughs> I get paid extra to provide bad news to the Looks team. like
2: only on Sunday, though. So Saturday might still, it's 80 on Saturday. So. <laughs> it's
1: 80 degrees. Didn't we just have winter the other day?
2: Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure there was an ice storm just a couple of days ago. Just but. a couple of days
1: ago, I hear there's uh, more snow in, uh, you know, in the Rockies and the Colorado area, and even in West Texas, they're looking at potential new snow today. So. I saw a friend go skiing
2: yesterday online. So I'm jealous. <laughs> On the East Coast. jealous,
1: well, praise be to God. Adrian Fonseca is here. He's trying to work out an audio issue. I think on our stream side. So he's working on that where he would say hello. He's not trying to be rude to you. Uh, but again, we're going to have a great program today. We hope that you will join us for all or most of it. If you can't uh, hang out in the second hour uh, on the radio, you can always choose one of our social streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We post all the links on our website at grnonline.com. That's grnonline.com. All right, let's begin with prayer, and then we'll jump right into it. We're going to take your intentions to your listener, and Include them with ours in asking Our Lady to intercede for all of us by whispering these intentions into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who was left unaided, uh, that anyone that never... Let me start over. Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help or sought, thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
2: Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves signed Mississippi State Senate Bill 2536 into law making Mississippi the first state in the nation to protect girls' sports. Mississippi and many other states are now taking matters into their own hands as the Biden administration seeks to impose dangerous policies around sex and gender on the nation's schools and youth. The new law bans biological males from participating in females and girls' sports and athletics, and will go into effect on July 1, 2021. The bill received decisive votes in both state chambers. The Mississippi Senate voted 34 to 9 in favor of the bill, and the Mississippi House voted to pass the bill 81 to 28. More than 20 states are also considering similar, similar laws in response to Joe Biden's executive order that reintroduced the Obama-era policy permitting biological boys to compete in girls' sports and allowing biological boys back into girls' bathrooms and locker rooms as well. A pastor of the Pursuit Northwest Christian Church openly committed to celebrating public services in his church in Snohomish, Washington, in spite of state lockdown restrictions. In a passionate video statement, the fiery pastor announced that for those who decide to gather in person, they should be able to do so without the fear of government reprisal. Prompted by a February letter from the Washington Department of Health advising the church administrators of a potential prosecution for violating the governor's orders restricting church attendance, Russell Johnson, the church's pastor, launched a blistering attack on the government's attempt to wrest control of religious worship. He claims the government contravened the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The pastor asked in the video, How did we go from Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof to you must now ask our permission to gather on Sunday morning? According to a new survey published on Thursday, a third of all German Catholics are actively considering leaving the church. The German survey found that 33% are considering leaving the church because of the ongoing scandals over the handling of clerical sex abuse cases, while 44% said that they were not going to turn their back on the church. 14% indicated they didn't know and 9% did not specify. In 2019, over 270,000 German Catholics formally left the church, more than ever before. Younger people, however, are more likely to deregister as Catholics to avoid paying the obligatory church tax. If an individual is registered as a Catholic in Germany, 8-9% to of their income tax goes to the church. According to official figures released in 2020, the German church received $7.7 billion from tax money in 2019. I'm Emily Alcaraz and these are your Friday Morning Headlines through a Catholic Lens.
1: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things, Blessed Angela Salawa, pray for us. Blessed Angela was born on the 9th of September 1881 in Poland. She was the daughter of Salav and Eva, the youngest of 10 children in a pious tradesman's family. She received two years of formal education and at age 12 began to work as a domestic in nearby homes. On the 27th of April in 1900, she joined the St. Zeta Association, a religious group for maids. Within this church-centered place, Angela felt at home and devoted her free time to the house, to the church, and to a call to religious life, attending mass daily and in routine contact with the Franciscans. She was unable to enter religious life, though, due to her poor health, and continued to work as a maid and to mentor other young women. She became a Franciscan tertiary on the 15th of March in 1912, worked as a nurse in Krakow Hospital during the First World War, spending her own money and any that she could beg to buy better food for the injured soldiers. In 1917, her health collapsed, though, completely. She spent the last five years of her life in a small room, surviving on the charity of the St. Zita Association and spending her time in prayer. She died on the 12th of March, 1922, in Krakow. She was beatified on the 13th of August, 1991, by Pope St. John Paul II. Blessed Angela Salava, pray for us. The Gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked Him, Which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, The first is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, "'You shall love your neighbor as yourself. "'There is no other commandment greater than these.'" The scribe said to him, "'Well said, teacher. "'You are right in saying, "'He is one and there is no other than he. "'And to love him with all your heart, "'with all your understanding, "'with all your strength, "'and to love your neighbor as yourself "'is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices.'" And when Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Shema, that's this, uh, this fa- famous or infamous passage that the Jews uh, regard as the greatest It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The Shema, that's the first half. The second half half comes to us from Leviticus 19.18. Now, what's interesting is this is like a creed of sorts for the Israelites, uh, summarizing all of the law, the, the so the Ten Commandments, but also all of the precepts in the law, too, like 650 what, 50 precepts in the law. So these two things summarize all of it. Here's what the Apostle John wrote in his first epistle, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 through 21, about this passage. He says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should love his, his brother also. He goes on to say, um, actually that's where it ends, right there. That he should love his brother also. <laughs> you got to love the morning fog brain. At any rate, this is a powerful realization for all of us. That we are, our love for God is tied into love of neighbor. Why? Because great charity, great mercy, great otherness. You know, the more in, inverted we become, uh, thinking of our own needs, our own uh, desires, our own wishes, our own comforts versus those of others, uh, well, we fall away from God when we do that. So, to truly love your neighbor, to sacrifice yourself for others is to grow closer in intimacy to God. It reminds me of the saint today, Blessed Angela, who took her own money and begged for more in order to buy food for the soldiers who were injured and wounded in World War I. Loving the neighbor. I love also um, how the, the scribe answers very well. Now, this comes in a greater past set of passages, uh, verses, where all of the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, the, the Herodians, they're all trying to test Jesus. They're trying to throw him curveballs. They're trying to trip him up. And he always sees this, the, the, the snare, the trap coming. He always smells the trap, right? And so he, he catches them at their own game and turns it on them all the time. But So we don't ever see dialogue, really. But here, this particular scribe asks a legit question, and Jesus gives him a great answer. And he understands. The scribe understands, and Jesus recognizes that. And that powerful line, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I just love that image. Imagine looking Jesus in the eye and seeing him say that to you today. Adrian? Yes. uh, One thing that kind of
3: triggered in my mind was when you were talking about the Shema, uh, the hero Israel, uh, Father Mike Schmitz, if anybody is following his Bible in a Year podcast, he talked about this recently and talked about how the Shema was uh, was used as a tool in order to make sure that the children of the, of the Israel people would be rooted in the faith of the Israel people uh, while in, uh, surrounded by the pagan nations. And this is a great example for us today. Whenever we're surrounded by the pagan nations, um, which is the secular culture, the woke mob and the like, uh, we have to keep these words in our hearts, and our mind, and in our soul always uh, in order to raise our children in the Catholic faith.
1: All right, praise be to God. Today, it's Friday. It's the day where you pray the Litany of Humility, and boy, do we, do we get those opportunities every single Friday. Praise be to God. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We'll have a What's Concerning Us section, and Joe Condon, founder of uh, CatholicSpeakers.com, is going to be on to tell us tell us about a massive event happening over the weekend. We'll be right back.
4: claim that the Pope is the visible principle and foundation of Christian unity. And the reason for this claim is that Jesus made Peter as such. But what's our evidence? First, Jesus makes Peter the rock upon which he builds his church in Matthew 16, 18. And since you can't separate the structure from the foundation on which the structure is built, it follows that wherever Peter is, there is the true Church of Christ. Luke twenty two thirty one 31-32 is another text. Jesus singles Peter out and promises to protect him in faith and commands him to strengthen the brethren. Peter's job was to keep the apostles united in faith. And if the apostles wanted to benefit from Jesus' prayer of protection, they had to stick with Peter. We can benefit from this unity in faith as well. We stick with Peter's successor, the Pope. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic
1: Answers, Catholic.com. Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up here, I don't know, 18 minutes or so from now, uh, Tom Brecca, President and Chief Counsel at the St. Thomas More Society is going to be our guest in the guest segment today. He's going to be talking about a brand new film that's going to be released on the March, uh, I think it's March 22nd, that recounts the founding of the St. Thomas More Society, but it really does pay tribute and honor to to Joe Scheidler, uh, who who really paved the way for the pro-life movement in America in many ways. His case, Now versus Scheidler, went to the Supreme Court three times. Did you know that? I, I'm, I bet most people don't outside of the pro-life uh, action movement. So we're going to have that conversation with Tom Brecka coming up soon, but joining us right now by phone is the, the uh, founder of Catholicspeakers.com, Joe Condit. Good morning to you
5: morning, Joe. How are you? Praise God, I'm alive. And that counts. <laughs> How are know, you? It's an honor to be, I'm doing fantastic. Good. It's an honor to be on your show.
1: Praise be to God. Now, there's a, a massive event happening over the weekend. Tell us all about it.
5: Oh, I can't. Well, yeah, Cincinnati Men's Conference, and uh, the, all the information's on CincinnatiMensConference.com, it's free, it's virtual. We're actually having in-person as well, but the reason it's relative to everybody in the country, if not the world, is it was the first Catholic Men's Conference that was ever put on in the United States back in 1994. Wow. And we're now opening the experience up to both men and women virtually. We've gotten over 25,000 organic registrations. We've partnered with Catholic Online. Uh, Michael Galloway over there at Catholiconline dot school and they've opened up their network which now gives us an access to three point two million people on their Facebook. Wow. So this little little idea of a men's conference is is coming back again and inspiring the country and our headline speaker is none other than the Father Mike Schmidt. So it couldn't have been more of a perfect storm and we decided to invite women, Joe, uh, virtually, because uh, it was my Trojan horse to the men. Hey, look, we're guys. We're last minute. I knew that if I could get the women to to come on because they love his podcast so much uh, that they'd probably uh, make sure their men joined with them. And my idea is the man that would have never made time for it and only made time for it because of the strong woman next to him will watch it and say, wow, this is actually pretty cool. I, I think I'm going to make time for this next year. And that is when we'll be preaching beyond the choir, right?
1: <laughs> you know, I call that elbow evangelization. It usually happens in the middle of the night in bed when she throws the elbow into your ribs and says, are you going to go to that event tomorrow? And you're like, oh, darn it. I guess i got to get out of bed early. Uh. Now, Father Mike Schmitz, uh, he's, uh, he's become uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, he's, he's viral lately. His Bible in a Year program really took off. Seems surprising. Uh, did you guys book him before this, or did you book him once this happened?
5: We did. It's a real story of how God takes uh, lemons and makes lemonade out of it, right? We booked Father Mike Schmitz. God bless him because he and he hung in there with me, and he, he's he's you know we did the deal about two years ago, and then it got canceled because of Corona, and then when we were talking and booked him, his podcast wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even a figment in anybody's imagination. I don't, I believe. So in a time when it got canceled because of Corona, and we were all going through that terrible challenges. They were thinking, oh, my goodness, what in the world is going to happen? And we we just look doom and gloom. And now, fast forward till tomorrow when he's going to speak, it is well beyond anything any of us could have ever imagined now that his podcast hit number one on iTunes, and he's influencing millions of people. And, and Joe, his uh, popularity with the podcast is real, and we're experiencing it. And it's an awesome thing to see that a Catholic priest has made such a wave Especially during these times where America is is struggling to find, you know, spiritual health.
1: Yeah, amen. Now, tell us about the lineup. Uh, it's Father Mike Schmitz, obviously, but who else is on the lineup?
5: Dr. Ray Grendy, the acclaimed, hilarious family psychologist. If you don't, uh, most everybody knows who Dr. Ray is, but if you don't know, a uh, man that's literally uh, adopted ten P, uh, ten kids. And he's like a stand-up comic when he talks. It's it's so entertaining. So he's perfect for both men and women. And then we have a local businessman and philanthropist in Cincinnati, Tony Moss, who's absolutely incredible story. took a butcher shop in the west side of Cincinnati to a company now that does $150 bucks. But what's more impressive than that is he's the one that founded Ruah Woods, and it's a nationally known Catholic organization that focuses on the theology of the body, but also provides Catholic-minded psychology and uh, psychologists to help people that are struggling with mental health. So he's really put his money where his mouth is, and he's going to talk about that story, how he did it. And we asked all three speakers to share personal adversity stories that they've never shared publicly before. So that's going to be exciting, something completely uh, exclusive for the conference. Now, is there
1: going to be an in-person element to this event, or is it strictly all virtual?
5: It is, Then we're going to make this now a national event. Uh, it'll never uh, challenge the integrity for the men's conference. It'll always only be men on site. So there'll be about, Corona allows me about 300, 250 men. It'll probably be 250. So it's only men on site, in person, which you'll see on camera. You'll see men sitting in the crowd. But we're going to forever make this a national event again and invite both men and women at their discretion to join us virtually and, and be able to watch it every year. And you'll also be able to buy the tapes later. We, we'll probably give most of them away. But with the talks, if you're going to miss it tomorrow, it'll be available on CincinnatiMensConference.com uh, to, uh, to get access to, in case you missed the talk. So we're going to provide all that.
1: Joe, I didn't realize you were that old. I mean, you just said, give away the tapes. And I'm like, tapes? We haven't had <laughs> tapes in- 30 <laughs> yeah. years joe
5: i i get, yeah I, where, where did my mind just go there but uh my producer my first. producer just
1: turned 23 he's like what's a tape and I'm, I'm confused yeah.
5: you know, he just, he just, <laughs> well he, we'll go back to the a-track for C <laughs> you know. right, uh, right. cds tapes. we know our audience but no actually yeah. it's very simple we send you a link that you have in your phone or on your computer for the rest of the, the rest of the time so you just click the link and watch
1: but this weekend it's free they can watch for free this weekend
5: Absolutely. Everything's absolutely free. We did not want a father or a mother thinking, ah, how am I going to afford a ticket when I haven't worked regularly in the last year? So we, uh, we underwrote the whole thing at Catholic Speakers Organization, and we did not want cost to be a factor in this. We want everyone to benefit from the messages that these three speakers are going to share, which is the theme of the conference is what do I do in the face of adversity? And Joe, you and I both know people have really experienced challenges they've never seen before, at least in my lifetime, because of this whole corona situation.
1: Now, speaking of families, do you think, like, Father Mike Schmitz's presentation will be family-friendly? I mean, what what age do you think would be appropriate to watch, like, his presentation?
5: Well, any age. I mean, if they can, yeah, they can speak the language, English, Spanish, whatever, they they should... A parent should encourage them to watch. I mean, kids are watching sports players at the time they're five years old and beyond. You know, you hit eight years old probably and above. That's when they're really aware of what's – but he's somebody that all of us should strive to emulate. You know, uh, I want young people to see Father Mike, and instead of wanting to be the next movie star, rock star, I want to see, hey, look at this this influential priest – and so I, I encourage all parents to get your kids in front of the computer and watch these guys um, and, and, and hope that God plants a seed in their mind and, and gives them a real person to strive to be like as they, they grow in age and form as a man or a woman.
1: All right. So a great opportunity for whole families to maybe stream the video over the weekend and uh, check out some of this content. Dr. Ray Garendi, Father Mike Schmitz, Tony Moss, you said, now, um, yeah. you have special appearances listed here, too. Uh, David B. Wright from 40 Days for Life, or for, previously from 40 Days for Life, uh, Father Nathan Cromley, and uh, you have Father Jason Beadle. Is, it, is that his name? Is he from Cincinnati?
5: Yeah. He is. Actually, Father Jason Beadle is my cousin. So <laughs> he uh, he runs the uh, St. Margaret of York Parish here in Cincinnati. He's a booming personality, so uh, he couldn't have been a better choice for our MC. And then, yes, David B. Wright's going to come on and talk to the world about the importance of these conferences and getting together and why we all need to not only make it a legacy to pass on to the next generation, but support them. Uh, and he, his, his, when he comes on and talks, it's going to be incredible. That guy is the best in the world when it comes to communicating why our faith is so important and why we need to support it. And then Father Nathan Cromley is going to give the intro to the men's conference to hype the men up and really tell them what they're in for the day, uh, you know, in for for the day and and tell them why it's so important and thank them for being there. We just could not have put together, in my opinion, a better combination of everybody involved. And, And I thank all of them for getting involved. They saw what we're trying to do, and they had no problem joining our mission.
1: What time does all of this kick off tomorrow morning?
5: Uh, tomorrow morning kicks off at 6:30 a.m. Eastern time with adoration, followed by mass. Um, the times there will be, you know, uh, relative to when things start. But uh, the first speaker, Tony Moss, comes on at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So obviously, virtually where you're at, you can join in at any time for the whole thing or just for one talk. The schedule of the entire day is on the website. Now the website's very simple. I made it one page. So if you don't find what you're looking for, just keep scrolling down. You'll find it. There's nowhere to click, just one place to go. So, And we'll be live streaming the event through the website, so you don't need a link. We made it as easy as we possibly could.
1: But do they have to register to get to be able to see that?
5: Yes. Okay. Yes, they will have to input their spot they saved with their email. So we'll ask for their email, and that's it. And It'll unlock the live stream, and they'll be ready to rock. And there's a lot of churches and men's groups and women's groups all over the country that we're aware of that are having watch parties, whether at their private homes or going to their parish and watching it on a big screen. So that's really exciting to know.
1: All right. Praise be to God. Joe Condit, founder of CatholicSpeakers.com. Uh, this great event. I encourage everybody to check it out. CincinnatiMensConference.com. Men, women, and children are invited to this virtually. Uh, CincinnatiMensConference.com. We'll post a link to it as well. But uh, Joe Condit, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for being on with us.
5: Joe, God bless you. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. Take care. God bless. That's uh, going to do it for the segment with Joe. But we have a bunch of stuff to to mention real quick before we before we go to break. We're going to come back from break and have have Tom Brecca on from the St. Thomas More Society. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Have you heard of Joe Scheidler's case now versus Scheidler going to the Supreme Court three times? I, I wonder how many people have legitimately... Knew that. Knew that. Did you know that it went to the Supreme Court three times? Have you ever heard of a case going to the Supreme Court three times? And then Why Haven't You Heard? That's my question. It really boggles the mind, but they have a beautiful film coming out soon that's going to retell the story of the founding of St. Thomas More Society and uh, pay honor to Joe Scheidler, and we're going to be having that conversation with Tom Brecka, President and Chief Counsel, in just a little bit. I want to encourage you, though, if you haven't done so already, go to our website, com forward slash... CDT. I just posted yesterday a map of all the radio stations that we broadcast to across the Station of the Cross, uh, across the Guadalupe Radio Network, and it's such a great honor and privilege to be able to come to you Monday through Friday, uh, 6 a.m. Central, to be on the show to share the good, the true, and sometimes the beautiful, and uh, the, the difficult stories, the great inspirational conversations, and even tackling the the, the more tricky stuff. It's just part of what we do here, so we're very grateful that you're a part of it. So, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There is a bunch of stories here that I wanted to jump into. We probably won't jump into them until maybe the after show, but let me just tell you, in the next hour, if you're all able to join us in the next hour, we're giving away our prize today in our game show. Our game show's a lot of fun. We we secretly, you know, try to teach a little bit about the faith. We have a laugh, and we give out prizes, and it's kind of a win-win-win for everything. That's part of the reason why I encourage you to go to the website, to check out the sponsors of the game show, the sponsor of Catholic Drive Time, which is realestateforlife.org, realestateforlife.org. Check them out. Support these organizations, not because they support us, but because it's right to support other Catholic organizations. We come together, strengthen numbers. We should support each other. This is why I look for Catholic plumbers and those kinds of things, to support each other. Anyway, we're going to go to break. We're going to be right back.
5: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most modern philosophies are very dark and depressing? As G.K. Chesterton says, most people in our world today have been forced to be happy about the little things, but sad about the big ones. But that's not the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be joyful. Sadness is only an interlude. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. The Christian is able to deny himself immediate pleasures because there's great joy and fulfillment inside him. The pagan must constantly seek after pleasure because there's great sadness and emptiness inside him. Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian.
6: Let's share the secret. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org.
3: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro life organizations, offering their clients a faith based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
2: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, March 12th, and these are your headlines for today. On Wednesday, Senator Marco Rubio lambasted the Chinese Communist Party for restricting the religious practices of the Muslim Uyghur population, saying, When a regime deprives a people of their right to practice their faith freely... They're depriving those people of their full humanity. Rubio spoke at a hearing focused on China's treatment of the Uyghurs and other ethnic and religious minorities in the province of Xinjiang. The Chinese Communist Party, Rubio said, is on a campaign to divorce the Uyghurs from the traditions that sustained their ancestors and defined who they are as a people. Rubio is the co-sponsor of the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, A bill which would prohibit certain imports from Xinjiang and would impose sanctions on those responsible for human rights abuses in the region. The progressive ACLU has received a $15 million donation from a billionaire heir whose LGBT activism includes both funding for efforts to limit religious freedom and funding for Catholic dissenters that want to change the church's teachings on marriage and sexual morality. The major donation is from LGBT activist and billionaire John L. Stryker. Stryker's Arcus Foundation funded a 2012 report criticizing the Knights of Columbus support for marriage as a union of one man and one woman. A 2014 grant sought to support pro-LGBT faith advocates to influence and counter the narrative of the Catholic Church in relation to the Synod on the Family and World Youth Day. He has also financially supported heretical groups such as Catholics for Choice, Dignity USA, Call to Action, and New Ways Ministry. And Stanford University professor Dr. Jay Bhattacharya recently slammed COVID-19 lockdowns as, quote, the biggest public health mistake we've ever made. Bhattacharya, a professor of medicine and an economist, said, quote, We will be counting the catastrophic health and psychological harms imposed on nearly every poor person on the face of the earth for a generation. In the U.S., the lockdowns have, at best, protected the non-essential class from COVID while exposing the essential working class to the disease. Bhattacharya referenced studies that estimate 130 million additional people may have starved in 2020 as a result of economic damage from COVID restrictions. The Stanford professor also pointed to mental health devastation caused by long-term COVID-related isolation as the most shocking thing, particularly for young people. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday
1: morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Real quick, I want to mention that if you're looking for like sort of the replay of conversations that we've had on the show Go to our YouTube channel, the Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel, or go to our Catholic Drive Time um, Rumble channel. We're also posting these videos on Facebook, and share those videos with your friends and your family. It's a fantastic way to be sort of an ambassador of the Catholic Drive Time Show, but really to share the content with people who probably need to experience this or haven't heard about stuff or they need education or whatever the the reason might be. But we want to encourage you to do that. It really seriously help us out, but more importantly, we think it will bless others as well. So check us out on our YouTube channel and other places. Again, you can find all the links to that. Right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash c-d-t, grnonline.com forward slash c-d-t. All right, I'm going to have Adrian play the trailer for this brand new film coming out from St. Thomas More Society. Uh, I think it's coming out on the 22nd of March. Sit back and listen to this. Go ahead, Adrian.
7: Since 1920, we have aborted one billion children across the world in 100 years.
6: I thought, I had to fight that. That will destroy our country.
0: He got a name for himself in the movement and began to be in great demand, speaking around the world.
7: Frankly, what he did was a textbook case on how to organize a protest movement. I was sued by the National Organization for Women on a charge of racketeering. When the Nalvi Scheiderer case came along, I filed my appearance and before long I was the lead counsel for the defense.
0: They were convinced that they had found the silver bullet to getting rid of the pro-life movement. It was really important to us that we come out victorious and be able to assure people, yes, you can still come out and do protests. You can still go out to the abortion clinics and sidewalk counsel.
1: The Nau v. Scheidler case is important because without their perseverance, so
2: many organizations that hold vigil outside of abortion facilities wouldn't exist.
5: And that impacts generations.
7: Did I ever think that involvement with this case would last 28 years and go before the U.S. Supreme Court not only once, not only twice, but three times? Inconceivable.
1: Joining us right now via Zoom chat, Tom Breck, President Chief Counsel of St. Thomas More Society. Good morning to you, sir. Oh, good morning. Praise be to God. We're very grateful that you uh, are on with us today. Um, let's start with uh, yourself. And I know it's a big part of the film that's coming out. It looks beautiful, by the way. I was able to watch uh, sort of— My a-
7: first success that stands out was a young woman. Oh, but I-, I-,
1: I-, well, I was able to watch a sort of a pre-released version of the film, and it looks very beautiful and moving. Um, tell us, uh, give us the, the elevator pitch on the founding of St. Thomas More Society and your involvement.
7: Well, uh, it was a, uh, a matter of necessity. We were coming up uh, uh, to a uh, trial date uh, for a, a jury trial. Uh, it looked very uh, ominous and threatening. We were being sued. Uh, we'd beaten an antitrust theory that was the beginning of the case, but uh, the other side added uh, racketeering charges under this federal racketeering law that was passed in 1970, and uh, I was a business lawyer in a business law firm, but uh, this, this uh, case against Joe Scheidler and uh, co-conspirators, they said there are as many as a million co-conspirators, So that shows you what kind of case it was. And this just took over my law practice, and uh, we weren't uh, getting paid, uh, and, you know, it was only so long you could do that. Well, at the 11th year, that when we were about to go to trial, my law partner said, you know, maybe you better quit the case or quit the firm. <laughs> so we were out uh, on the street, uh, you know, uh, we we were, we had a donated uh, office and a, derelict building that was uh, about to uh, shut down, Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, the Shiders, uh, Joe and Anne, lent us their mailing list, and we, we asked for help, uh, and that was the start of the uh, Thomas More Society, a not-for-profit public interest law firm. Uh, So, how did we begin? We began out of sheer necessity. (laughs) Um, And then it uh, it went on, of course. We had a trial, March, April, uh, 1998, and continued into June and July, and uh, you know what? It uh, got us a lot of attention. The case had not really got much attention up till then. Uh, We had a lot of wonderful key witnesses, uh, you know. you know, I, I think back, uh, Henry Hyde, the great uh, congressman uh, from Illinois, we had uh, Jack Wilkie the, uh, from Cincinnati, the head of National Right to Life Committee, and uh, we had uh, submissions from all kinds of Catholic uh, and Christian activists, uh, Daniel Berrigan, uh, former Attorney General Ramsey Clark, uh, came and joined me one day as my co-counsel. Hmm. So. Uh, it it was, uh, you know, a very, very, uh, and of course, I forgot to mention how could I, uh, Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, whose real name was Norma McCorvey, and uh, Sandra Cano from the companion uh, case uh, with Roe, uh, Sandra uh, was the Doe and Doe v. Bolden, which extended abortion rights through the whole nine months of pregnancy. so. We put abortion on trial in our own way, and we lost the trial. We lost on appeal, but uh, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, opened its doors to us. This was the second time, and uh, we won 8-1 to one pretty decisively. It's kind of a and, big deal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then the lower courts tried to overturn the Supreme Court. That only happens in abortion cases, you know. <laughs> so we, we, uh, they did it on a gambit uh, that they wouldn't take the same case a third time, and they lost the gambit. And the, the judge uh, who dominated that panel was uh, reportedly uh, President Obama's first pick for the Supreme Court nomination that went to uh, Justice Sotomayor, and It was because of what she did in our case that, according to a a left-wing pro-abortion writer, that that was the reason, what she did in our case, where she didn't uh, get that nomination. So, it was quite quite a deal, but then it went on, you know, until, what, 2014, arguing over our costs, which were a piddling amount, really, by comparison to the real, actual expense of the case. And it uh, didn't end until 28 years after it began.
1: All right. Tom Brecka is our guest. He's the president, chief counsel of St. Thomas More Society. So hold that thought. Tom, we're going to have to take a short break. We're going to come right back and continue our conversation about this film that's about to be released on March 22nd. And Joe Scheidler, paying him honor, he passed on the 20th of January. So we're going to ask Tom about that coming up on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. a will be right back.
6: When you hear the word humility, what do you think of?
8: One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
6: Humility may mean deflecting praise or pretending something you've done is not as good as it is. For St. Benedict, real humility is an important virtue. He considers it to be the truth. Humility is an accurate appraisal of ourselves before God, before others, and before ourselves. We all have weaknesses. We need to know what they are and watch out for them. But they make us no less valuable in God's sight. We all have strengths, and we sometimes have a hard time admitting that.
1: For your free copy of The Rule of
2: St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com
6: Admitting our talents and humility and developing them gives thanks to the God who gave them to us to be used for His glory and our neighbor's good.
2: Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org.
1: out the drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. Tom Breck is our guest. He's the President and Chief Counsel of the St. Thomas More Society. You know, it's a pretty incredible story to hear about a case, uh, Now versus Scheidler, where they were accusing Scheidler of uh, using the, the RICO Act, right? So they were saying he was... Um, he was cr- doing something so criminal. He was on the same level as like the mafia. That's essentially what they were trying to say. And the case went to the Supreme Court three times. And I guarantee most people who outside of like the really active pro life movement probably haven't even heard of this case. It's crazy. Uh, I want to ask about Joe Scheidler in particular, Tom. Um, a lot of a lot of people consider him to be the sort of the you know the Godfather, the grandfather even of the pro life movement in America. Uh, you knew him from the early days. What was he like and what was his impact on the pro life movement?
7: Well, it was a huge impact. Joe was a, a domina- dominating uh, personality, a great leader. Uh, you know, by uh, trade or profession, he was a public relations consultant, communications arts professor. Uh, he met his wife, Anne, our chairman. Uh, To this day, uh, when she was uh, a student at uh, Mundelein, he was a young faculty member. Uh, Mundelein is a uh, a former women's college here in Chicago uh, that uh, has since then been absorbed into Loyola University, you know. Uh, But, um, you know, Joe was uh, way over six feet tall. He used to wear striking outfits, all white, sometimes black. You know, uh, he would be seen uh, at protest sites. Uh, he would organize these protests right at the doorstep of abortion providers. Uh, this, this is where he thought uh, the pro-life message uh, would be more most uh, critical, life-saving. Uh, you know, at the doorstep of a killing center, frankly, is the way he would put it, and. Uh, and extremely bright, and of course he wrote uh, two books. The first book, 99 Ways to Stop Abortion, Shut Down the Abortion Industry, that's what uh, got him sued, you know, and he was a great speaker and demand all over the country, internationally. Uh, Quite a fellow, tough client, often uh, disagreed with his lawyer, and uh, when he he did, he wasn't shy about expressing himself, so, you know, we, we were uh, friends, uh, my goodness, we spent most of our professional lives together, we just lost Joe, uh, just back in January at age, I guess, 93, uh, so, uh, after he had uh, been videoed for this uh, short uh, half-hour documentary about the case. Uh, so this is in his honor, really, and uh, I think it's good that people are finally recognizing how important that case was.
1: Let's talk about the film itself. Um, it's, a, it's very beautifully done. It's a moving tribute to, to Joe. It's a great retelling of, this, of the Now versus Scheidler case and also of the founding of the St. Thomas More Society. So what was the impetus for putting this together? Uh, what, what were you hoping to accomplish to the film?
7: Well, we wanted to, uh, let people know about it. Uh, it, uh, Joe's life and legacy, uh, is, uh, critical, uh, important, uh, for, uh, the, the pro-life movement is now at a critical time when, you know, the Biden administration, uh, we're going to face all kinds of challenges and, um, this is a critical time. This is, you know, uh, the pro life moment. Now is the time to uh, convey the truth of what we stand for, and adversity may indeed uh, uh, bring on a more profound, uh, deeper sense of uh, progress in, in uh, letting people realize the sanctity of human life is more than a phrase. It's a, uh, well, it, it's a, uh, a cause worth fighting for and that's at the core of our christian and catholic uh, faith and uh it's also emblazoned in the declaration of independence so uh, here is a coincidence of you know both the uh, sacred and secular uh, spheres in which we live our lives so i think the fact that uh Joe stood up through all that adversity. is is a, a good timely lesson for these times.
3: Tom, uh, so I'm 23. I just graduated from university. I got a bachelor's in communications, uh, and one of the classes I had to take was a communications law class. I just it just struck me how we didn't talk about your case at all. Um, it seems as though it's an incredibly important case. Um, especially for someone in the communication field to have studied, especially in a communication law class. Uh, what, why is this case not talked about more? Because uh, I, I feel like uh, I am a well-informed Catholic, a well-informed pro-life person, mm-hmm. and in the communication field. And yet none of these three things have uh, alerted me to this case. So uh, whenever I saw the, the film, I was shocked that I had never heard of anything about this so what? Could, uh, so this comes down to two questions: one, uh, why is this case not talked about more? And two, uh, what do young people like myself? Should why? What should we learn from this case?
7: Well, I think we learn that it, it's critical to communicate the essential truth uh, behind our religious faith and our defense of the Scheiter case, which is uh, a very respectable, uh, central, essential. Uh, truth that life is sacred, and uh, and that we have every right, in fact, uh, we have a calling, I think, as Christians to uh, speak out that truth and uh, not be intimidated. Uh, and, you know, look what happened to Joe when he very effectively and eloquently, you know, uh, articulated the cause uh, behind uh, this uh, movement of ours. Uh, he drew a lot of attention and they, they sued him. <laughs> now, None of us wants to get sued for racketeering. Certainly not for uh, 20, how many, many years, 28 years, I guess, you know, but on the other hand, uh, when you're challenged, we are challenged every, every one of us in our daily lives, if we take a stand out in the public square and, uh, you know, uh, it's fulfilling, uh, that, uh, it, it it puts an edge on our faith, uh, sanctifies uh, our our faith. It's more than something that we do in church. Uh, you know, they allowed, I remember somebody told me they allowed religion in the Soviet Union. They just had to keep it within the four walls of their churches. Uh, no, I think this is a, uh, a fighting faith that we have. And it's uh, good to see somebody like Scheider, uh, Show us uh, how you can fight and do so lawfully, uh, even when people try and shut you down. So,
2: yeah, absolutely. Sometimes,
7: you know, is a good thing.
2: Yes. And I had a question. Now, we've seen more and more states such as Arkansas recently enacting pro-life laws that are getting more and more uh, restrictive. Um, what if you've been following the pro-life movement for so long from a legal aspect? What do you see as the future of the pro-life movement? Do you see Roe v. Wade being overturned? Like, where are we headed?
7: Well, I think uh, it will be overturned. Um, my uh, my reasons for thinking that uh, go back to 1973, and immediately after that decision, which was a sent a Senate shockwave across the country, uh, especially with people like Joe uh, Shiger, uh you know, and um, I think now. Uh, the, the the criticism of the case came from not only the religious uh, sector, uh, but uh, from the uh, professional uh, legal field. You know, Archibald Cox, the uh, special prosecutor in the Watergate way back when. This is ancient history. I know for many <laughs> of the younger folks, you know, uh, he critiqued it. It was a, a legally terribly flawed. I think it's. going to go down, uh, but that's not the end of the battle, because I think it'll go to the states. In fact, of course, the Biden administration wants to make it a national statute. uh, You know, we, we, um, so this fight will go on, even uh, if Roe uh, sees its demise. Uh, It's a good battle that we are fighting. you know there's nothing so beautiful uh I'm a grandfather now, and believe me i we look at photos of our grandkids uh and uh life is sweet, it's wonderful, it's fraught with risk, yes, <laughs> but amen, you know it's not uh something to take lightly, amen.
1: We have just about two minutes left in our conversation uh, with Tom Brecka. He's the president chief counsel of Thomas More Society, and we've been talking about uh, the landmark Now versus Scheidler case. The, this this film that's going to be released. So the film that's going to be released it's on March twenty second. Where will it be available?
7: Well, I think it's going to be on the EWTN network okay. uh, on that date, and uh, I suppose uh, it'll be available after that. The details. I'm not a great uh, part of the marketing folks. Uh, you know, I, I hope people <laughs> will tune in. I hope it'll be repeated. Uh, people are after me to write up the story of it. and uh, you know, frankly, we're so busy uh, around the country defending uh, pro-lifers and all these contemporary <laughs> battles, you know. Uh, Maybe there'll be a longer version of it, you know, it's hard to put 28 years into a half hour.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, EWTN is going to air it, and uh, so praise God for that, but Tom Brecca, President, Chief Counsel Thomas Moore Society, thank you for being on with us today. We're very grateful for your time.:
7: Well, thank you for the invitation.
1: All right. God love you and God bless you, Tom. Have a great day. And that's going to do it for hour number one of the Catholic Drive Time. I loved in the film where Joe talks about meeting Tom for the first time. He felt like he had some grit, and that's why he chosen to to defend him and uh, i was just very touched by that but i hopefully dear listener you will check out this film when you can either on ewtn or probably later on st thomas more's website or youtube channel or something like that we'll we'll update you as we know more but if you can join us in the next hour we have our catholic trivia game show prizes are going to be given away today last three chances to get into the coffee cup of divine providence is coming up if we can't see you till monday well god bless you god love you have a great weekend we'll see you then take care
5: I had a theology professor who told me that Adam and Eve were just myths and that the rest of Genesis was all just legend. Is that what the church teaches?
9: Absolutely not. The church has always taught that Adam and Eve were real people and were the first human beings from whom all other human beings are descended. In 1950, Pope Pius XII, in the encyclical Humani Generis states, The faithful cannot embrace the opinion that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through natural generation from Adam or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. In other words, the church teaches that all humanity descended from Adam and Eve. They were real people. Paragraph 38. This encyclical, in fact, clearly points out the first 11 chapters of Genesis do nevertheless pertain to history in a true sense. Again, Adam and Eve are not myths, and the rest of Genesis is not legend. Genesis is history in a true sense. Paragraph 39, therefore whatever of the popular narrations have been inserted into the sacred scriptures must in no way be considered on a par with myths or other such things. Can it be stated any clearer than that? The Catechism says, paragraph 375, the church teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, no mention of a myth here, paragraph 404, by yielding to the tempter, Adam and Eve committed a personal sin. Someone please tell me how to miss commit personal sins. Adam and Eve's are not myths genesis does not contain myth or legend that is church teaching challenge anyone who teaches differently to produce their sources from a magisterial document they can't do it they can however produce countless books and articles by theologians not good enough
0: a beacon of truth in a troubled world this is the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul
4: Nicaragua, many children growing up in rural areas don't know what it's like to have clean, safe drinking water. Their water sources are often shared with farm animals, and the water is infested with high levels of bacteria. Together, we can change that. Cross Catholic Outreach works with local Christian partners to provide clean, abundant water to families in need. This mission dramatically transforms the health and lives for generations to come. Visit crosscatholic.org transform to learn more.
1: Praise be to God. It's Friday. Have you prayed the Litany of Humility? Uh, uh, I encourage you to do so, uh, but with a warning. The Lord would be happy to give you that, because it's good for you. and uh, But it's good for you, right? So have courage. Pray it. Pray it before the day starts, and then accept God's will for whatever comes your way, because it's good for you. Praise be to God. God's will be done. The God's will be done challenge Again, I think I don't think I can go a half hour, but I wonder if you can. At any rate, we're going to have a great show this hour. We have the breaking news and stories, saint of the day, gospel of the day. That's all coming up in a moment. Of course, we have our game show, and that's today's the day. Today is the day. So, if you want to get on the last three chances to win this week's prize, because we will pull a name out of the coffee cup of divine providence today. Today is that day. So, your last three chances are coming up in just a little bit so you're going to want to keep the phone number handy if you tried earlier this week and were not able to get in call early and then you'll have your chance because we always take the first caller all right so that's uh that's that plus we'll have the after show today and uh, we'll cover some of the sort of the concerning us stories and your comments you get to decide what we discuss in the after show It's it's a nice little interaction moment there that we have on the program so we're always grateful for your your participation. So if you're hanging out with us on one of the streams, make sure to comment because you get to uh, control the conversation. God love you, Patty. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for sharing our video on Facebook, by the way. We're very grateful to you. If you're hanging out with us on radio, you know you can always listen live via our mobile app. You can listen live to the stream, podcasts of the show, and more. You can just search for the Guadalupe Radio Network in your iOS or Android app store. Download it today. It's free. And it's actually very good. I think you're going to enjoy it. Please uh, check that out. All right. We also just wrapped up a conversation with Tom Brecka. He is the President and Chief Counsel of St. Thomas More Society. Adrian Fonseca, uh, who has been wrestling the uh, the machine all morning long. You're going to get that out later today, right?
3: Absolutely, I'll have it. The interview with uh, Mr. Thomas Brecka on Catholic Drive Time on Rumble, Catholic Drive Time on YouTube, and Catholic Drive Time on Facebook. So check out any of those channels, and you will see the interview on its own. And feel free to share it because this is a great case that I had not heard of until today when I saw the uh, the short the uh, documentary this morning. So I was blown away by it. So highly recommend.
1: Emily, good morning to you. Had you ever heard of the Now versus Scheidler case? Good
2: morning. Actually, not until recently. I had just very recently learned about Joe Scheidler, which is surprising because he was a Chicago native and started the Chicago March for Life, which is I've attended, and I think he spoke actually, but I don't remember him. Being there. <laughs>
1: yeah, praise be to God. But an so.
2: incredible person.
1: Check out the trailer. We'll, we post a link to the trailer, I think, uh, so that we actually played it last hour. But you should check out the trailer of their film that's coming out. The EW10 is going to be airing on the 22nd of March, I believe. All right, so let's pray. We're going to jump into uh, the uh, the show this hour. I hope you'll join us for all or part of it. But uh, whatever your intentions are, we're going to ask our lady to pray amen in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Ghost amen and now the headlines with Emily Alcaris
2: a Catholic couple in Peoria, Illinois is asking for the intercession of their hometown hero Venerable Fulton Sheen to save the life of their unborn son Royce and Elise Hood recently discovered that their unborn son Fulton Joseph has Potter syndrome which is a rare condition where due to a lack of amniotic fluid the baby's kidneys and lungs may not develop fully or at all Their doctor informed them of the news and said there was a 95% chance their baby would not survive after birth, but the family is choosing life. Three days after this, the family went and prayed at Sheen's tomb in Peoria, asking for a miracle. In an interview on EWTN, Royce said, We made a very difficult decision, and prayerful decision, to surround Fulton with as much joy and love as we possibly can. Baby Fulton, who's due to be born at the end of March, currently weighs just over two pounds. And the family's providing updates on his story at the website FultonJoseph.com, which includes a song that Royce composed using Fulton's heartbeat as a metronome. The first oak trees to be used in the reconstruction of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris were selected on Friday from a forest west of the capital. A total of 1,000 oaks are due to be cut down by the end of March to rebuild the spire and roof of the cathedral, which was ravaged by a fire in April of 2019. Oaks from every region of France are being used to rebuild the cherished national sanctuary, around half from state land and the rest from private donations. General Jean-Louis Georgelin, who chairs the body in charge of restoring Notre Dame, said, This is a project that concerns the whole of France. It will ensure the security of the cathedral for eight to ten centuries. The trees will be cut up and stored for 12 to 18 months to prepare them for use in the reconstruction phase which is set to begin in autumn of 2022 allowing for a planned grand reopening of the cathedral in April of
8: 2024.
2: Pope Francis will officially designate the Knock Shrine in Ireland as an international Marian and Eucharistic shrine on the Feast of St. Joseph next week. The Irish Catholic Bishops' Conference announced on March 11th that the Pope will give Knock Shrine official recognition and will send a video message to the Shrine on the night of March 19th. Archbishop Michael Neary of Tuam explained that St. Joseph appeared along with the Virgin Mary in the apparition at Knock in 1879. On a very rainy August 21, 1879, 15 official witnesses saw an apparition of the Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, St. John the Evangelist, angels, and Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God on the south gable of the town church. For a period of about two hours a crowd gathered to adore the apparition and to pray the rosary. Despite the rainstorm, the ground around the gable did not get wet. Unlike in most other Marian apparitions, the Virgin Mary was silent the entire time and did not offer any sort of message or prophecy. The designation of Knock as an an official shrine comes two years after a miraculous healing involving Eucharistic Adoration at the Knock Shrine in 1989, which was officially recognized by the Vatican. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
1: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Blessed Angela Salawa, pray for us. Blessed Angela was born on the 9th of September, 1881 in Poland. She was the daughter of Salav and Eva, and she was the youngest of 10 children in a pious tradesman's family. She received two years of formal education, and at the age of 12 began work as a domestic in nearby homes. On April 27, 1900, she joined the St. Zeta Association, a religious group for maids. Within this church-centered place, Angela felt at home, and devoted her free time to the house, to the church, and to her call to religious life. She attended mass daily and was routinely in contact with Franciscans, but she was unable to enter the religious life due to her poor health, but she did continue to work as a maid and to mentor other young women. She became a Franciscan tertiary on the 15th of March 1912 and worked as a nurse in a Krakow hospital during World War One. She spent all of her own money and begged for even more in order to buy better food for the injured soldiers. But in 1917, her health collapsed completely. She spent the last five years of her life in a small room, surviving on the charity of the St. Zita Association and spending her time in prayer. She died on the March, on March 12, 1922 in Krakow and was beatified in August of 1991 by Pope St. John Paul II. Blessed Angela Salava, pray for us. The gospel comes to us today from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked Him, Which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, The first is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying he is one, and there is no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered with understanding, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, the Shema that Jesus is referencing here. There's two parts. Essentially there's the Shema and then there's the neighbor part. So the Shema comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Hear O Israel. This was like pride of place for the for the Jews. And when you combine these two things, the Shema and the love of the neighbor from Leviticus 19:18, you get a creed. A creed that sums up not just the Ten Commandments, but it sums up the the whole precepts of the law. Like 600 and I think 50 precepts of the law are all summarized in these two things. And what's fascinating is what precedes this passage in the gospel is a series of testing where the scribes, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, they're all trying to test Jesus. But Jesus is smart. He doesn't dialogue with these people. He sees what's coming. He smells the trap and he flips it on their head, right? But with this scribe who asks him a legitimate question, Jesus gives him a sincere response. And Jesus recognizes that he understands what he's saying, which is why you get the you are not far from the kingdom of God reference. It's powerful. Imagine Jesus saying that to you, right? But also think about this. I love the statement of the scribe who says that all of this is greater. It's worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Think about that for a second. The, The role that burnt offerings, sacrifices played in the lives of the first century Jews, it can't be understated enough. I mean, it, it it is so massive, or actually can't be stated enough. It's so it's such a big part of their life. I mean, think of all the feast days that every male Jew had to go to Israel, had to go to Jerusalem for, for those sacrifices, for those feast days. Think of all of the daily sacrifices offered in the temple, from incense to, to wheat offerings to animal sacrifices. I mean, in the Old Testament, if you committed a sin, you, you had to, depending on your sin, you had to buy a certain kind of animal. The bigger the animal, the bigger the sin, and you had to go to a priest in the temple and have its throat slit and blood spilt out. So when he says that these two things are greater than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices, that's a powerful statement. It wasn't the original intention to have all of these animal sacrifices. The original intention was for them to make their covenant oath with God, to kill an animal that represented the very pagan uh, idols that they worshiped in Egypt and then move on but because of the golden calf that changed everything this was a remedial punishment upon the people that Jesus would fulfill and do away with and would ultimately we see that in the destruction of the Jewish uh, temple in 70 AD. It's a powerful passage with a lot going on here, but I want you to stand for a moment and just envision yourself looking at Jesus in the eye and he says to you, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's a powerful, powerful statement. Adrian? Uh, Yes. So I think uh, I will focus in on
3: the, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Why? Because I want to uh, emphasize a point I want everybody to join the hashtag no sin gang. Uh, so if you have not been to confession recently, um, get to confession as soon as possible, because it to uh, whatever you go to confession, once you hear the words of absolution at that moment, our Lord is as if saying to you, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So this is uh, incredibly important for us to stay close to the sacrament, stay close to confession, because without confession, we will not enter into the kingdom of heaven and will not enter into the kingdom of God. So if we want our Lord to say to us, "You are not far from the kingdom of God," go to confession, receive the Eucharist uh, worthily m- uh, many times as much as you possibly can, and join the hashtag
1: No Sin Gang. Hashtag No Sin Gang. Praise be to God. All right. That's going to do it for uh, the What's Concerned, or actually for the saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and the headlines, but guess what's coming is the game show, and the last three chances to win this week's prize. Your chance is right now. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Call right now.
5: We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.org. Protestants
4: like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin, because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin, because in one fifteen he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin.
8: Joe McClain!
1: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, our Catholic Trivia Game Show. Where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So don't tell anybody of this, just keep this between us. But we want to teach the faith a little bit so you always learn something you didn't know before. We have a little chuckle and laugh in the process, but most importantly, we get to give cool prizes away. So if you're just joining us and you've never heard of this before, well, welcome. We're glad you're here. But this is how it works. I have three Catholic trivia questions in my hand. And they range from easy to complicated sometimes, uh, but the, we don't ask these questions to the caller, so they don't even have to know the answers to these. In fact, we ask Emily, we ask Adrian, one will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And uh, that is how the game is played in every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize tell them
8: what they could win Emily
2: this week's sponsor is thyolivetree.com thyolivetree is a company started by a catholic convert and a mama and she when she converted she found that there were no catholic uh, baby memory scrapbooks for her children's all their first their patron saint their baptism their first communion and so she decided to design one and so she's giving away this week one of her catholic baby memory books to one of our lucky listeners so that's thyolivetree.com and you can find them on instagram twitter and facebook as well
1: all right praise be to god so to everyone who tried to be on the game show this week and was not able to god love you thank you for doing it uh, next week we'll have a new opportunity a new prize and everything else so stick around maybe next week is your chance but let's go to the phones a uh, good morning Vicky. thank you for being on the program today
5: thank you can you hear me okay
1: praise god i can hear you fine where are you calling from Vicky?
5: Woodbridge, Virginia.
1: Hey, now, Virginia's on the hook. Praise be to God. It's been a while since we've had a, a Virginia call. It's uh, good to have you with us, Vicky. Now, where do you go to church?
5: St. Elizabeth Ann Seaton.
1: And are, are you listening on uh, the local GRN radio station there?
5: Yes, I am, Guadalupe Radio.
1: Praise be to God, Vicki. Well, we're grateful. Right, have you listened to the game before? Do you know how the game is played? Yes, I do. So then you know you can't necessarily trust Emily or Adrian. They might try to fool you today.
5: Yeah, we'll see.
1: (laughs) I like that confidence. That's great. All right, here we go, Vicki. We're going to start with Emily, as is our custom. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Whoa. That was premature there, Yes. I mean, she was confident. Should I put my name in? At least ask the question first. Okay. (laughs) that's friday that was easy <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, emily can you tell me the hail mary the prayer the hail mary yes. is based upon the words spoken by which persons
2: okay so the hail mary is from scripture it's from the words of the angel gabriel mm. when he says hail mary okay and um also mary's cousin elizabeth
1: Ah, okay. All right. So the angel Gabriel and Mary's cousin Elizabeth. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell us the Hail Mary, the prayer? Is it, it what? It's based on words spoken by which persons? Uh, let's see which persons. I'm going to say it was Our Lady and Saint Dominic. Saint Dominic and, Saint and Dominic. Our Lady. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see what happens here. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Emily or Adrian? Vicky. What say you,
5: Emily? Emily, Emily, Emily. <laughs> Survey <said.
1: laughs> yes. wow, well, that was easy. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure what you what 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 you were going for there, Vicky. Like who? Like it, it, was, it was very a little vague. ambiguous.
2: It sounds like you have prayed the Hail Mary before. Yeah, praise
1: God. <laughs> so a bit, yeah. the <laughs> angel Gabriel and Mary's cousin in Scripture. So if you have a non-Catholic friend who's like, "Why do you pray that prayer?" Well, it's scriptural. We're praying Scriptures there. So. Excellent response. Vicky. you're in the coffee cup of divine providence. It may be God's will that your name is pulled today. We'll sh- we will have to see. But we're going to the second question with Adrian now. Adrian, are you ready? I believe so. Adrian, can you tell me who was the first American cardinal? Uh, first American cardinal. That's very
3: specific. So not the first American bishop. Mm. Uh, first American cardinal. I'm going to say it was the Irishman... Um, father
1: or I guess his eminence uh, John McCloskey really yes that's my that's my guess all right so John McCloskey okay let's see what Emily has to say Emily can you tell me who was the first American Cardinal
2: I have no idea how you would know this I'm gonna go with um, Cardinal Newman Cardinal Newman. Yes.
1: Could be. Let's just see. All right. Who's right? Who's wrong? Emily is on the hook for Cardinal Newman. Adrian is on the hook for Cardinal McCloskey. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Vicky, what say you? This is hard. <laughs> 50-50 shot. You never. You just guess. You never know. Is it uh, McCloskey? Is it Newman? What do you say, Vicki? Newman. Survey says... Emily. Oh, no, oh, Vicky, oh, no. I'm sorry. I, okay, in my I defense, know. Vicky, I, I, I warned you, I they are tricky, Emily and Adrian. <laughs> you gotta watch them carefully. Uh, but in fact, it was uh, Cardinal John McCloskey, he was an American prelate of the Roman Catholic Church. He was the first American-born Archbishop of New York from 1864 until his death in 1885, having previously served as Bishop of Albany. So, uh, praise be to God. He was uh, made a cardinal in 1875. Well, all right. Just, awesome. You still get one more shot at this, Vicki. So, don't despair. I think the third question <laughs> is probably fairly easy. I'm going to I'm gonna say it's fairly easy. Let's just see how it goes, though. Emily, we'll, we're back with you this time. Emily, can you tell me, who was the first pope to fly in an airplane? Uh, Probably...
2: John Paul II. John Paul II. Yeah, he did a lot of firsts. Are you sure? No. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: John Paul II is your answer. Yeah. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me who was the first Pope to fly in an airplane? Uh, Let's see. I guess based off of
3: when the airplane was invented, I'm going (laughs) to go with
1: uh, Pope Paul VI. All right, so Adrian is on the hook for Pope St. Paul Sixth, and Emily's on the hook for Pope jo- St. John Paul II. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Vicki, what say you?
5: I thought you said this one was kind of easy. <laughs>
9: <laughs> is, it's not? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, 15, okay, you got to choose.
5: I know John Paul the Great traveled a lot. I know he traveled a lot and sure. did a lot of flying, Sure. but I have no idea if the other Pope Ugh. All right, Emily. We're going for it. I don't know. Is I your, don't know.
1: Is your final answer, Emily?
5: Uh, but the plane's been around for a long time.
1: <laughs> I uh. need. I need a final answer. <laughs> yes, it <at> has. <laughs> Adrian. Survey says. There we go, <laughs> uh, Vicky. You were that. That was close like
5: close to call. a close call.
1: <laughs> I was, I was like biting my nails. Wow.
5: But we, I, I did learn about that cardinal. I did not know anything about that cardinal. So yeah. Thank you
1: praise be to God. You were, in fact, right. It was Pope Saint Paul the Sixth. In fact, he uh, he flew quite a lot. Actually, it sort of paved the way, laid the found work for what JP two would eventually do in traveling around the world. Which was sort of a it's sort of the, the, a pope traveling is actually a very modern thing. It's very a uh, new thing. It hasn't been all that long ago when uh, popes usually just stayed at the Vatican the whole time. So congratulations, two times in the coffee cup of divine uh-huh. providence, Vicky. You didn't do all that bad, even though they were, you know, I, somewhat. Difficult questions. I mean, I thought that last one was fairly easy, but no, I guess not. Um, but either way, two chances is pretty good. How do you feel, Vicky? Awesome. Awesome, awesome.
5: And I did not know about that cardinal. I'm going
1: to look up that cardinal. That's really great. Yeah, McCloskey. Yeah, yeah praise be to God. We yeah. learn something new all the time. All right, so this is what we're going to do. Emily right now is putting your name into the coffee cup of divine providence, and she is going to stir the cup up as best she can so it's as fair as possible to trust in God's divine will and his providence for who gets to be the winner. So, Vicki, if you want, we'll keep you on on, on air with us, but I uh, just want to warn you that it may be God's will that someone else wins today. So, if that's the case, I just want to apologize. All right. I have a she name. She has a name.
2: Our winner for this week's prize is... Whoa, Vicky. What? Come
1: on! <laughs> you won! <laughs> Praise <laughs> be to God. Well, Thank congratulations, so Vicki! Awesome. Now... Uh, now, the, the, the prize again, Emily, is from Thy Olive Tree, right? Yes,
2: Thy Olive Tree is giving away a baby memory book. So, Vicky, if you have children or if you know someone who has children, you can put all of their photos and memories in this memory book.
1: All right. So do you have someone uh, beautiful. that would uh, work well with, Vicky?
5: Yes, most definitely.
1: All right. Well, God love you. We're going to put you on hold so we get your information so we can connect you to Thy Olive Tree. But God love you. Thank you again for being on our show, and have a great day. Thanks so much. God bless you all. All right, we're going to put you on hold. That is going to do it for for today's radio side of our program. That was fun. Praise be to God. Vicky was not thrown that last question. You guys definitely tried to trick her. I tried to uh, intercede on her behalf, but uh, praise God, she finally won. That's awesome. Yeah, good for her. That was fun. All right, we're going to go to uh, the Holy Mass here in a moment. If you're going to go to Holy Mass, we ask that you please do keep us in your prayers. uh, Keep uh, our intentions in your prayers for Holy Mass. That'd be wonderful. We pray for you every day, by the way, here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. Three o'clock, Divine Mercy Chaplet. Your prayers are are added there, plus our Novena of Mass is set for our benefactors every month. So, God love you. Thank you for that. But we're going to stick around on the live video feed, YouTube, Twitter, and on Facebook for the after show, and we'll conversate with you. You get to drive the conversation. Whatever you want to talk about, put that in the comments and we will conversate with you about that. I have some stories that I could talk about as well that uh, we didn't get to in the What's Concerning Us section. So there's a ton of stuff we can still chat about. But uh, God love you and thank you for being a part of our program. Next week, we have a whole new lineup of guests. Another opportunity at prizes for the game show. And so much more content headed your way. Do us a favor. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. To get the links to all of our platforms, sign up to our email list. I sent out the uh, Gospel Reflection yesterday. If you sign up today, you can get that as well. So God love you and God bless you. We'll see you in the after show or will see you on Monday, 6 a.m. Central. Thank you for
0: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
2: and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't
0: forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com Catholic Drive Time
1: Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time
0: Be sure to share more than just us today Share Jesus with everyone you meet
4: Bye now, and God love you
1: Praise be to Jesus Christ Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time The After Show Uh, where we get a little bit more casual let's just say about the conversation whatever you want to talk about you get to drive the conversation in the after show dear listener so if you're on facebook youtube or twitter comment what do you want to talk about leave a leave a comment there if you're just listening to us if you've never commented before become a first-time commenter that'd be awesome praise be to god um i see uh I see our fans there. Uh our, like a sort of our uh the Catholic drive time family. Uh Mr. Thomas and Monica, good morning. God love you. Lori, I see you over there. I see Chris uh Velasquez just joined us and Jesus Morano, praise be to God. God love you. Eric, good morning to you. The no sin gang. He ha- he, he he quoted Adrian. He In it the, looks like
2: he's designing a t shirt for us. <laughs> the hashtag
1: no sin gang. Well, yeah, praise be to God. That's awesome. That'd be fun, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, like a biker cut t-shirt
1: style. Biker cut. Okay. I'm not sure I have the physique for a biker cut, but okay. Uh, Praise be to God. Chris, uh, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program. We're always grateful that you guys are here. Of course, uh, Christopher Chance over on the uh, Facebook side. Jesus Robles, our friend. Praise be to God. We're glad you're here. Uh, Let's see here. What else? What else? What else? Who else? Let's see. Patty, of course, was here earlier. She had to go. She always goes to Mass. Praise God.
2: Yeah, Patty said, we also have to live our faith boldly to witness to our children to be not afraid to confess and defend our faith. Amen, Patty.
1: Amen. Praise be to God. Lori, uh, we see you over there. Of course, Adrian's father was hanging out with us today. Susan, Susan Weber, good morning to you. Thank you for being with us. We're, we're grateful to have you. We had some, uh, and Joaquin, of course. Good morning, Joaquin. It's always, it's always wonderful to see you in the chat box. We had some technical problems when the, when the show started. <laughs> it was a Friday. It happens.
2: Yes. Christopher Chance says, he's been to the shrine of Our Lady of Knock. Wow. That must have been incredible. That's on my bucket list. If anyone else has been to Knock or a different Marian apparition, uh, share that with us. We'd love to hear where you've been.
1: Yeah uh let's see saint john the baptist appeared at knock as well right so Uh, saint joseph our lady wasn't it saint john the baptist
2: i just said saint john was it the baptist or the beloved
1: oh you're right i think it was the the apostle yeah i think you're right i think it was yeah my dad uh listens to the show every day so praise be to god yeah you should comment more dad yeah definitely Mm -hmm. give me the inside scoop on Adrian so I can share. Uh, don't do that embarrassing (laughs) stories uh, live on the radio that would be awesome
3: Uh, the y'all talked about hashtag no sin gang already (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, You've
1: started a movement.
3: Good. Yeah, I didn't start it. This is a, this is a uh, thing that has been around on on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah.
2: Every time people go to confession, they post no sin gang on Twitter. So if you look up that hashtag, it's going to come up a ton of times.
1: Okay. The problem though is by the time I've gotten to out of out of the church where I'm like I can feel comfortable pulling out my phone and actually visiting social media, I probably have committed a venial sin by then. That's a good point. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward.
3: Uh, well, we should try to avoid. Uh, venial sins as much as possible.
1: Why Amen. don't you just take your I holy it. water? And- I love it when uh, priests tell you, uh, okay, there's a potential a plenary indulgence available today. All you need to do is be totally detached from sin. <laughs> is that all, Father? Oh, man! I thought this was going to be hard!
2: I mean... I really wonder if I've ever actually gotten an indulgence in I know, my life. <laughs> exactly!
3: Like, well, there's a, there's a totally story detached. of uh, St. Pius the, I think it was 10th who, uh, was, went up to give his, uh, apostolic blessing, which is a plenary indulgence. And, um, he, he had a mystical vision from God who showed him all the people who received that plenary indulgence. And it was himself oh, no. and one old lady in the, in the crowd. <laughs> no. At, at Peter's, Don't tell me that, at Square. So. So, so,
2: wait, his wrong. blessing applies to himself as well? I guess so. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well. Um, so we have to trademark, we have to copyright um, No Sin Gang and the Brain Frog, Morning Frog. Morning Frog. <laughs> Jesus yeah. says on Facebook. Good morning
1: Frog. <laughs> Amen, brother. It's a real thing. The struggle is real.
2: I actually looked up, I googled brain frog, and it was this image of a brain with, like, frog feet and legs. <laughs> it was...
3: Of
1: course it's a thing. It's a thing. What What isn't a thing? It's definitely a thing. No, nothing new under the sun. Man, oh man. There's always something, you know. But Fridays in particular, for, what, for, I think it's linked to the litany of humility. I always pray the litany of humility before coming into work on Friday. Yes, the grace of brain frog. The grace of brain frog. You know, it's rough, though. Um as a guy who just wants to get stuff done, the brain frog, it's so frustrating. It's a near occasion of sin in many ways. Um, accepting God's will for my life, like I said, I, that whole God's will challenge thing, that's real. Like, could I go a whole half hour? I mean, I couldn't because I complain about everything, like you know, little things that happen. It's, it, that's part of detachment of sin is being able to accept, accept the little things that head your way and do so with grace. Like I have a long way to go. Uh, the Mr. Thomas had a lot of really
3: good questions today. I, I was gonna point yeah. that out his
2: first question. Right, so, that's what so I was gonna good. do first. Yeah,
3: his first question was, "What is love?" Um, baby, baby don't, don't hurt, hurt me. <laughs> what? Well,
1: <laughs>
3: we're we're, we're too sorry. young. We're too young. What? Uh, he said, uh "Adrian, today I would like to ask, what does it mean to love someone? Does it mean hugging, kissing, and holding hands, or does it mean to wish someone good?" Ooh, good. Question. Uh, so Thomas Aquinas uh, gave the definition of love. He said, "Quote." Love is to will the good of the other for the sake of the other. Now, what does this mean? This sounds like technical language. How would how do you actually parse this out? Well, the answer is we should uh, call in Dave Palmer's show <laughs> at four o'clock and ask him that question. Uh, but the answer is um, he gives the the love loving someone means to will the good of the other. What is li- willing the good of someone? Well, you want what is best for that person. But what is best for someone? Well, the ultimate good. So there's like subordinate goods. So for instance, if you're a parent, it is a, to will the good of your children is to take care of them, provide for their needs, clothe them, feed them, put a ho- roof over their ha- over their heads, provide them with uh, care and comfort. Um, but what is the ultimate good for someone? The ultimate good for someone is to will them to be in heaven, to desire them to become saints. Uh, like Saint, like um, like Patrick Coffin always says. He says, um, "Be a saint. What else is there?" Mm. Well, and that's a really good point because. And whenever at the end of our lives, when we're at the judgment seat of God, nothing else matters except that we made it to heaven. Uh, so if we will, if we truly will the good of someone, we desire them to be in heaven. Now, what is the extra part that's added? Will the good of the other for the sake of the other. Well, this part is, is emphasizing the point that we should love someone not out of selfishness, but purely out of, uh, wanting the, the good for that person. So for instance, example, let's say I, uh, wanted Emily to be successful. Uh, but I didn't really want her to be successful because uh, I just I just love her. I want her to be successful because I know that when she becomes successful, she's gonna, you know, toss a couple bucks my way, you know, maybe help help a brother out. Don't do it, um, Emily. But <laughs> don't do it. But uh, no help if, a brother uh, <laughs> out. <laughs> but if the uh, but if I if I did that, then that wouldn't be actually that wouldn't actually be love. It would be selfishness. And so to will the good of someone has to be for the sake of the other and not for the sake of your yeah uh, so hopefully that answers and can i just say question. this
2: is a great question mr thomas because we see the culture now you there's this hashtag there's this phrase that we hear repeated love is love what <laughs> does that mean the, the culture the society has completely lost its understanding of what love is They're they're trying to say love is whatever you want it to be no there is an objective reality to what love is god is love jesus christ is love and um love sometimes doesn't look the way that you want it to look love looks like um our, our lord crucified on a cross it looks like sometimes get, telling people the hard truths that they don't want to know but in the end it's because we do want them to be with us in heaven
1: yeah we need to put up the uh we need to put up the uh scourged jesus camera cuz that is love first john chapter 4 verse 8 god is love and Love was whipped and scourged and and crowned with thorns and beaten and mocked and derided and and dragged to Calvary with his cross, and he was there nailed. And he hung there as his lungs began to fill up with fluids, and he drowned to death on the cross, Uh, before which he struggled. He raised himself up, not to to shout vulgarities or beg mercy, but to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And and into thy hands I commend my spirit. I mean, this is love. That is love. So, when we think of it, love as an emotional experience between persons, well, that's an emotion. Emotions are good things, but that's not what love is. Love is, as I think what uh, you guys have been saying here very well, love is about the extreme good of the other person, which heaven is that answer. So anything outside of that is a good thing, but it ain't enough. It's not enough Right. Of a good thing. And
2: that goes to the first point of his question, which, which was about affection. Like, is physical affection love? Well, it could be a sign of love or it could not, but it's not intrinsically love itself.
1: Yeah. Well, love between, um, love between married persons can be expressed and ought to be expressed affectionately. There's that. Uh, however, that's an experience that's a part of the sacramental marriage. Uh, physical intimacy between non-married persons is not prohibited. It's not. It's not allowed. It's it's inappropriate. It's not natural. It's not love. It's not love, right? And uh, so, just because someone says, "But this is what how I feel. It makes me feel good," feelings can betray you, and they often do. Feelings will betray you all the time. Um, so this is why the re- the 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 intellect must control and must regulate the the passions. Uh, you know, a good example that I like to use all the time is, you know, I, I, I love a good bacon cheeseburger with a little bit of, you know, blue cheese on it. I mean, that's, the, that's some good stuff. And if I drive by the, a, a burger joint and I could smell the, the smell of bur- uh, burgers being made, golly gee whiz, I'm very tempted to pull into the, uh, to the, the parking lot there and order me one up, even though I might have had three or four earlier. So uh, the temptation to eat more needs to be regulated by intellect that says you don't need any more. I know it makes you feel good, Joe, because it's comfort food, but you really don't need any more. It's bad for you. You know, so that's what our our intellect should be doing in all aspects of our life to include emotions and intimacy and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when did uh, Joe become a Thomist? I'm just, I'm
2: just wondering. Uh, <laughs> the, a Dominican. I, 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 <laughs> I didn't want to say
1: it out loud. Good grief, we could have gotten away with. In fact, I tell you what. The call in today Palmer Palmer's show today, four o'clock Central Time Zone. Uh, it's on. It's he only talks about St. Thomas Aquinas, but I double dog dare you, dear dear audience, to call him and quote Franciscan theologians today. Just, <laughs> just call. Just randomly quote. Franciscan uh, can,
3: can, can mo, I don't think most people can even name a Franciscan theologian. <laughs> uh, there's okay, Franciscan theologians okay. are not exactly see, as popular see, there's, there's as Dominican ones.
2: Bonaventure,
3: Ho- uh, um, yeah, right, yeah, that's about it. Okay, okay. Besides, <laughs> besides Gotus, Sco, okay, was hmm. he Franciscan? Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure. I th- I'm pretty sure. Uh, he's see, uh, uh, the list
1: Franciscan. is pretty narrow. <laughs> yeah, it's not not a
3: huge not a huge list. I mean, there's a lot uh, I can I can list a few, but not that are popular like Thomas. You have yeah. like. Popular Thomas like Ed Fazer, Kevin Voss, but then you have the intellectual um, Dominicans that are like the, the hillbilly Thomas that we had on that were yeah. actually super smart guys with PhDs, STDs, which is a sac- sacred theological doctrine, not uh, uh, sexually transmitted disease. Important help distinction. Had to um, <laughs> important distinction. I
1: love that Christopher Chance over on Facebook said earlier when you were describing love from T- St. Thomas Aquinas and you said nothing else matters. And he's like, I got that song stuck in my head now. Good. Yeah. Wonderful. No.
3: Um, It's not good. It's terrible. (laughs) Sorry, Chris. It's Chris has St. Francis as a as a Franciscan theologian.
1: Well, you know St. Padre Pio is not a theologian either, though. And I and he's my patron saint, my my confirmation saint. I love St. Padre Pio.
3: I've read Um, a lot. One thing that I wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about because we didn't have a "What's concerned Us" section today. Uh, though normally we do, so for some people are asking, are we getting rid of the What's Concerning Us section? No, no, we're not getting rid of it. We just have, every now and then we're going to have uh, some uh, extra, extra guests guest yeah. during that segment, but we're still keeping the What's Concerning Us section. But one thing I wanted to show was, I'm going to uh, show y'all this clip of this uh, Protestant pastor um, about talking about our Lord, and I think it'll be something good to discuss, because this is something that a lot of young people are seeing right now, and people are uh, being enamored with it and finding to be convincing so uh, it really speaks uh, there's a lot a lot to unpack here so i'm gonna air it and uh, see what y'all think
8: did you know that there's a part of the gospel of mark where jesus uses a racial slur in Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Sarah Phoenician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. Did you know that there's a part of the God?
1: That is, uh, I'm throwing up on my mouth. I can't believe you
2: made us listen to that. I know.
1: Like, (laughs) I'm not sure you can come back on Monday now. (laughs) I mean, dang. All right. Okay, you can come back on Monday, but... That's fine. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. We, we've talked about this passage on the show, actually. And I, I'm glad we actually did show it, to be honest, uh, because it's a teachable moment. You know, he said, I think it's kind of funny on like a one-handed, Jesus is human, but he heals people. Hmm. Uh, oh, okay. This seems kind of contradictory. You know, humans don't miraculously heal people, just saying. It's not like a thing. Um... But it's a powerful realization here that Jesus is not just human; he is God. And is it possible? My okay, we have two in-house Thomists here. So, is it possible for God to be guilty of sin?
3: Well, you don't need a Thomas to answer that. Pretty much every (laughs) theologian, uh, Catholic or Protestant or otherwise, agrees that Jesus cannot sin. This guy's a Protestant. Well, you're right. right. most Protestants used to believe that but modern protestants have such a variety of beliefs that it's just impossible to discern what they believe so
2: mr thomas anderson says wow i did not know jesus said something racist so no we're showing this as an example of a lie it's false it's heresy yeah and i i actually know my friend who's a teacher two other teachers at her catholic school also take the same view that jesus was human and sinned which is false it's wrong
1: it's bad it's not true we've talked about this passage i think the passage is actually quite powerful when you, when you look at it, the last time we, we read this particular gospel passage on the show, and we actually we dived into it, um, we talked about how Jesus uses this opportunity as a teachable moment for the Israelites listening in, because he knew that this woman wasn't an Israelite, and he knew that the prejudices against uh, her people from the Israelites were real, and he leverages the opportunity to to sort of shame those Israelites that are listening in from the crowd. Uh, as a result, to saying, "Look, this woman has great faith. She's persistent. And what's <laughs> your excuse? I mean, yours and mine. That's what I'm talking about. How persistent are we in in praying and petitioning to God? This is the teachable moment. Our Lord is. Is, uh, is giving to this woman and to the rest of us is like the fly on the wall over listening to the conversation. This is – he is at no time committing a sin. God does not mm-hmm. commit sins. He's not the author of evil. He allows evil in order to bring about a greater good, but he is not the author of evil. Right. A number, there's a lot of things here, and this is
3: why I wanted to play it, because there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, for instance, um, Chris said he almost had a point until he said, Jesus said he repented of sin. Well, honestly, I am ai don't think he had a single point the entire time. There's no good points here. Uh, because he said, for instance, there's everything he said is fundamentally wrong. For the very fact that he said that he changed Jesus' mind, the mind of God cannot be changed. Our Lord is God, and because he is God, he is unchangeable. It's one of the attributes of God. Uh, Dave Palmer, that we talked about earlier, he did a whole show on the attributes of God, and we talk about how he cannot change. So, whenever we see, and we talked about this the other day, too, when we were talking about prayer, does prayer change the mind of God? No, but God desires us to pray to participate in the saving actions that he sets up. And the other thing is, if we believe that racism is a sin, and it is, and we all believe that racism is a sin— then our lord could not do it because he cannot sin and so it's very important to note that he is not being racist one our lord cannot sin because he's perfect and he's god and god cannot do what is evil it is contrary to what he is our lord as being God, one of the attributes, so we have the main attributes of being, which are goodness, truth, beauty, being, and oneness, the five attributes of being, and uh one of them is goodness. Why? Not because our Lord is good, but because he is goodness itself. He cannot but do what is good. So it's very, very important to note, and I think Joe covered really well the scripture portion of it.
2: Right, because if if Jesus sinned, that means he is not divine. He's not God, and then that also means he cannot save us from our sins, and, he, and that means there's no salvation for us. So that would be very very bad. I'm trying to find. I'm going to the interlinear Greek um, translation here because I do remember hearing um, from a Greek scholar that the word that Jesus used for dog was actually more of like a like an endearing term, like puppy, like pet, and it was not a slur. Curarios, right. um, ku, keniarios, kin, is the word he used.
1: So, well, you know, but here's another point. Just let's just talk about that for a second. We have become so fragile as a people that we can't take any of the slightest criticisms. You know, well, I (laughs) go to boot camp, go to three months of Marine Corps boot camp. You're going to learn very quickly that you can take a blow. You can take a hit. You can be called lots of things, most of which will blow your mind about how uh, vile they could be. Is it, a nice, is it charitable that people do that? No, it is not charitable, it's not nice. But it's not about them, it's also about you. It's about you being able to, to take criticisms and to take uh, the difficulties and the challenges that come your way. <clears throat> Talk about accepting God's will. But we live in a day and an age in a society where people like this, this gentleman whom I don't know, I have no idea what's really behind him or what, in his motivations, his intentions. I know nothing about this man or his life. But on the outside, at least looking in, making my my speculation here, he felt some need to jump in on the bandwagon of the woke culture to throw Jesus under the bus, to sort of draw Jesus down from his hypostatic uh, union, two natures in one, and make him just like you and me, just as fallible and as faulty as you and me. That's part of the problem. It's also one of the reasons why – I am very adamant about how Our Lady is depicted in film or on popular TV shows, for instance, because the, the, too often we make the Holy Family, let's just say, too like the rest of us, who suffer through concupiscent natures and are given over to disordered passions. They're they all human. I mean, Jesus had two natures, the rest had, had only one, but unlike us— they did not participate in sin. They didn't give themselves over to temptations, despairs, or anything else. They experienced emotions in life just like we do. However, they didn't react to them in the way we do. And I think it, it just bothers me all the time to see this, this need to make them just like the rest of us. It's absolutely insane.
2: Yeah, and just to confirm that, I translated the Greek word that Jesus used. It does mean puppy in Greek. Puppy.
1: Yes. Yeah. So
2: puppy.
3: That's a cute little image. Puppy. <laughs> so the um and one other thing I wanted to bring up as well, or two other things. One is we are on the road to canceling Jesus and culture. What I mean is, soon, it, what will it be like? Will will we able to be? Will we be able to buy a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, go buy a Bible because we're getting to the point where our Lord, because our Lord says a lot of things that are controversial for today's standard. I mean, he says, don't commit adultery. That's pretty judgmental. Our Lord uh, says a lot of things that the culture today does not like. And we're on the road to canceling our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have to be aware of this. We need to keep our eyes open and see that they're coming for our faith next. Um And then in regards to this, Cornelius Salopide uh recognizes that uh here uh our lord he says he answered it is not meat that is fair becoming that christ speaks after the manner of the jews who are wont to call so he's saying this is the typical language that they'd use to the gentiles and he uses language in order to um let the um disciples understand what's going on he says as being vilest idolater dogs uh, but uh, she said "Yea, lord and she meant to say, it is altogether true what thou sayest. O oh, my savior, I acknowledge that I am a worthless dog and not worthy. That the children's bread should be given to me, who am a Gentile, yet the dogs and the curs are wont to eat the crumbs of bread which fall from the table of their master's children, mm. nourish me then as thy dog, I cannot leave my master's table, and this uh, calls to mind in my mind uh the Dominicans who are the hounds of the Lord, how Saint Dominic saw himself as one of the dogs of the Lord out there to uh and so it was not it's not an insult necessarily uh, because We are. We are. If we look at ourselves, at our sin and our brokenness and our horridness, if God gave us exactly what we deserved, we would be in hell right now. Uh, None of us deserve heaven. We all have fallen short of the kingdom of God. It is only through the mercy of God that we receive anything at all. So I think it's very important that we focus on these things and be aware of what's coming.
1: Yes. um, I think I was just thinking of King David himself in the Psalms. I think it's Psalm 139. Who am I, Lord? Who am I, Lord, that you should love me? That you should think of me? Like we have, we we think we are the cat's meow, man. Like the whole universe should kowtow to us. The the Lord Himself, the Author of all creation, should be at our level and be at our becking becking call. He should, you know, just do as we wish. You know, help us when we need help, but get out of the way and leave us alone when we want to be left alone. I mean, that is generally the theme of the woke culture and and modern-day Christianity these days, and I think that's a realization we are going to have to suffer through now and meditate upon in our own lives. If we're all being honest internally with our own situation, are we accepting God for who he truly is? Are we rising to him, or are we asking him to come down to us? What does it mean to be a Christian, and what are the implications of that? That's ultimately the teachable moment that he was having with this woman, uh, in order to teach the Israelites, in order to teach his very disciples, to show them he used he used this woman as an opportunity to teach his disciples. It's it's actually very powerful. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that a lot of people will encounter this video and actually go back and study the passage a little more.
2: Yeah, and let's pray for the video maker's conversion to yeah. truth.
1: Amen. Praise be to God. There was a, uh, some other stories that I wanted to get to and just couldn't get to this week. Um, I just... A really, one of them was this uh, article out of the Epic Times: Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden Feel Used and Betrayed in an Open Letter. So, there was a group of pro-life evangelicals supporting President Joe Biden's candidacy. They helped campaign for him. They helped get him elected, and they they did so because the Biden campaign reached out to them and asked for their support. And they said, "Okay, we will support you on one condition that we get to have a conversation." About pro-life legislation and policy after you're elected, yes, absolutely. We will we'll have a conversation. Great. So, according to this article and according to their open letter to the president, now uh, it says, "quote We are very disappointed about the COVID-19 relief package and its exclusion of the Hyde Amendment, a long time, a long-standing bipartisan policy that prevents taxpayer funding for abortion." The letter reads, it goes on to say. We're even more upset that the Biden administration is supporting this bill. As pro-life leaders in the evangelical community, we publicly supported President Biden's candidacy with the understanding that there would be engagement with us on this issue of abortion, and particularly the Hyde Amendment. It goes on to say, the Biden team wanted to talk to us during the campaign to gain our support, and we gave it on the condition that there would be active dialogue and common ground solutions on the issue there has been no dialogue since the campaign um buyer's remorse i guess but at this but but at the same time president joe biden made his policies very clear wouldn't you argue i mean he was very clear on his position on abortion on same-sex unions on a lot of issues it's not like he hid that i mean planned parenthood endorsed him for for crying out loud so I don't know. It just seems rather strange to me uh, that you thought he was going to conversate with you on an issue that he was very clear that he had no intention of conversating on. And yet here we are. So we'll post a link to that story. There was others too. We don't have time to get into too much of this now, but um, more vaccine related stories. There was a, a woman. This broke my heart. I saw this story yesterday. She's based out of Utah and the local Utah uh, television station actually reported this story and uh, she was a mother of 30 she's 39 years old she was a mother she had no known health issue she was in she was in good health condition and after receiving the second dose of Moderna's covid vaccine uh, she passed away in fact uh, her heart began to race and she got extremely ill and she she died very quickly but here's the kicker is in the autopsy in the process. Basically, they they do not want to have to say that her death is as a result to the vaccine. They just want to say basically she had an anaphylactic response to the event, but they don't want to make a link here because they don't like the politics involved linking her death to the vaccine. But here's the reality is there's a ton of reports that are just like this. And it kills me about the politics around vaccines, that you're not allowed, because it's conspiratorial, you're not allowed to have the conversation. Did you know uh, there are many countries, according to Sky News Australia's report came out yesterday, there are countries in, in Europe that are banning Astra, uh, AstraZeneca's vaccine after the countless number of reports of harm. Uh, you rush things to to market and people get hurt, and now we 're not allowed to talk about them publicly. that's kind of what I'm getting to here it's very concerning, and then of course, you couple that with this growing pressure and push to have a COVID passport, which now is in New York and other other countries uh, where you're not going to get to travel, go shopping, go to events public uh public spheres without your covid vaccine but are you in a category or is your loved one in a category where you could possibly either be harmed have a a, a negative response to these vaccines worse could you die are you in that category how would you even know are you going to have a uh, be able to have a conversation with your doctor to ask them well am i in this category and how could i figure this out